Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David Medeiros, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. On today's show, we're going to be talking about our top subject that always gets the most props. Whenever we look at anything on our stats, we're going to talk about batteries. And we've got Sam in with us today. We, we coaxed him off of the telephone line to come sit with us and talk about this subject for a little bit. I know we've talked about it before. We've talked about it from different angles. We're trying to throw some different curves at David and Sam today. And you guys can speak, let people know I'm not just... I'm ready. <laughs> ready to go, Wes. Okay. I want to throw some stuff at you guys and kind of, because again, it is a major subject and I think we all know it's probably the highest ticket item in an overall yeah, definitely. alternative energy situation. What I wanted to kind of do today is build a mental grid of, you know how you go on online and you're like trying to choose between your favorite scope and there's going to be a grid that says what this one has. And so you can do this one and this one has, this yeah. one got that one. Yeah. So I want to kind of try to do that with batteries and talking about, you know, obviously lead acid is probably what we sell the most of simply because it is the least expensive option of them. But then we've got our AGMs. What else are we selling? And I know there's a lot out there, but I'm asking you guys, what do we place the most of? Our biggest three is, of course, lead acid, AGM, and then the lithium. And lithium has really been making a surge here as people know more about it, as they have actually got the batteries to a little larger sizes instead of having to have a whole lot of batteries, you know, small batteries to try to develop the system. Now they have some very large lithium batteries that are in the, even in the higher voltage banks. Okay. Yeah. And are we talking, because I got checked on this about a year or so ago, I think, Sam, I think you're the one who helped straighten me out, is lithium ion versus lithium Lithium iron, iron phosphate. Yeah. 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 Lithium iron phosphate is the big technology these days in okay. alternative energy. So is lithium ion not something that we... Not really, no. It's not something you're going to find in the rechargeable alternative energy world. For the most part, that's going to be any more pretty much your disposables like your CR123As that you see in your stream lights and Surefire flashlights. Those are still a lithium ion battery, but your lithium iron batteries are going to be for rechargeable applications. The lithium ion are the same ones that we're having trouble with, you know, remember in the phones and yeah. stuff. So they're, mix well yeah, with they're, water. yeah, they can be dangerous, especially when you get in large banks. I mean, you can, can really create large fires instead of just little fires. So, all right. And then what have we got back in our, we're using lead acid back there is what it mm-hmm. is. Well, that just, thing is freaking huge. Yeah. It's just a big lead acid <laughs> bank though. I mean, it's a big bank. Yes. It's more of an industrial size well, bank. That, is it not totally sealed? Nope. No, we add battery. We add water to those. Really? Yep. Ne- I've never seen yep. that. Why it doesn't. No. Okay. <laughs> it's just a maintenance deal why it doesn't. eases so. back there. Yep. Okay. So let's go through. Are we missing anything that we need to talk about that somebody's going to be out there and be, hey, I saw, you know. I mean, that's the big three. I mean, there's going to be some other, other batteries on the market. But right now, they just, nothing's really made. There's a, you know, the saltwater battery. There's some stuff like that on the market, but mm-hmm. it just really hasn't made the, the well, mainstream. Wasn't, wasn't there something uh, the, that was nickel, coming out? Nickel iron nickel has been iron, relatively popular, yeah. and you're starting to see that more. 
but yep. it's still a very small percentage of the market share yep. so far. I mean, right now, AGM and truly, I mean, still the, the market share is, is owned by AGM and lead acid. Mm-hmm. That's the, the flooded less acid. So. Okay. Especially in the do-it-yourself market. Yep. But let's throw the nickel in because is that something that is going to grow or is that kind of a... You'll have to get some of the big battery producers to actually grow that market. You're going to have to get somebody like Trojan or Interstate. Some of these big companies into the market of that or you'll never see a real... They'll have their little small niche market, but they won't have a, a big impact on the actual battery market. Okay. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Let's roll it back. But I do want to talk about that, the nickel in there just a little bit, just to have something, you know, in case it does come around. What are our major pros of lead acid? And then obviously we're going to talk about cons. We're just going to kind of walk our way through these different batteries. So what would you guys say that our major pros are? I would give the first two, what I would say, accessibility. You can access them about anywhere I mean, in the country that you would want to purchase one. And two would be just the actual reliability of them, you know, because you can add water to them, because you can maintain them with that. That would be my top two. I mean, they're readily available almost anywhere in the country. I don't wouldn't really know where you couldn't get a flooded lead acid battery at. And then two, just be able to maintain them. You know, with a properly maintained battery, you can get good long life efficiency out of them. So that'd be my top two. I would add cost into that as well, just right. as far as being able to get your foot in the door and get started with an alternative energy system. Oftentimes, you know, you'll get people that they've seen these new lithium batteries and they're something really cool. And then, you know, whenever you're trying to size the system, everybody has a budget. Oftentimes, lead acid batteries will fit in that budget when other battery chemistries may not. Okay. What about in any of these is space, like the actual footprint that it's going to take? Is that an issue? Is where it's stored? I mean, we just have this in a shed out in the yard. Do we have to have it heated and cooled? Lead acid's going to be, I mean, we've listed the three pros of it and the three cons of it would be, you know, you have to keep these in a ventilated area because they are going to off gas, produce that rotten egg smell, especially if you're, you know, if you overcharge the battery and or undercharge it at some point, it may start making that smell as well. So they are going to off gas. Number two, one of the, is, is one of the cons is also one of its, or pros is one, also one of its cons. You have to maintain it. It's not a set it and forget it battery. You know, that's something you have to do. You got to go maintain it, check it monthly. Make sure your water levels are correct. And then the final one to me would be just the overall, what you're getting for the space. I mean, it's going to take up more space than some of your smaller, especially your AGM or your lithium batteries. It's going to take up a little bit more space. Weight, getting rid of it's going to be a little harder as far as, you know, if you're having to, you know, if you need to change out your battery bank and you have eight big L16s, you got to find somebody that will take them back or, you know, so... There's some deals like that. So that's my three. So we'll see what Sam. Now, hold on one second. I assumed too much whenever I started our podcast this morning. If you haven't listened to one of our podcasts where we've had Sam on it before, Sam does actually live off grid in a tiny house. Very cool. And he's really living it. David and I talk a lot about it. And we live it here at the store because yeah. the store's got it. I guess we live it here at the store. We live at 45 hours. <laughs> I, I live at 45 to, to 50 hours a week. <laughs> But Sam actually does have his whole setup. So what have you got, Sam? On I'm that? running an AGM battery bank at home. But before we get off of, onto the AGMs and everything, which is kind of going to be the natural next step, one thing I would add in as a possible con to this, 
alongside the maintenance deal is going to be the potential for acid burns. If you're doing everything right, it's not a huge ordeal, and you know, keeping some baking soda on hand isn't that difficult to do. But it is something to keep in mind when you're doing your battery maintenance is you know, you've got acid there and it can hurt you. One of the things that I am curious about on the lead acid, we just talk about lead acid batteries. We just kind of throw that out there as a blanket. But we're talking about a very specific series of lead acid, right? right so this right. isn't your car mm-hmm. battery. Yes, this that isn't is your exactly lawnmower right. battery. Yeah. So talk about that for just a second. What are our batteries called out in the battery world that we carry? I mean, what's the what's well, the there, cur- There's a few different lines within it, but the general terminology would be a true deep cycle battery is the simplest way to describe it. But yeah. there's all sorts of different industrial, solar industrial, different lines and niches within but, that market. But deep cycle is what we're deep talking cycle. about. And, so, and that contrasts against your car battery, which is... Right. So a car battery, I mean, they're always going to talk about cranking amps. That's right. all they're going to care about. Just how, how hard many, it can How many that. cranking amps. And really, they just care about cranking amps. What can it give for basically, I mean, maybe even two minutes, but really about a minute. Or, well, you know, however, just think or, about you know, how long it takes yeah, you, I mean, how long you, know, you hold your you key just, when you're cranking yeah, your I mean, vehicle. you crank the deal. And if it doesn't start pretty soon, then you let off and you do it again. But if you've ever had a, a battery in your vehicle that was starting to get weak, you'll realize that, I mean – just seconds. I mean, you just have seconds before it starts to drag down. You know, that is made for a real high amperage and a real short burst. You know, it's the 50 meter runner versus the marathon right. runner is what we, you know. What is kind of the difference in the battery between do we have more plates, less plates? Do we have a different? Primarily, it's plate shape is going to be the biggest yeah. thing that you're going to see there in terms of thickness and the actual design of the plate itself is your your major differences. There are some additives that can be put in there as well, but the big one's plate shape. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, that's going to determine, you know, that plate shape determines, you know, and that's why sulfation starts yeah, playing such a big role. Did that in the know, so. Talk because, about our restates that help with that. Yeah, because anything that's going to cover up part of that plate is going to, you know, be less of a chance for the reaction to happen in the battery and causing less energy. So could you use a car battery in our... I would say no. I mean, you could use a car battery if it was just, I need to get this inverter going to pump water for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Something of that nature, that would be the only time I would ever... Besides that, it's just never going to last. I mean, they just will not last. Okay. Rolling back, I want to throw in one other thing that I would understand is a con if I get it right which is always an interesting long shot. (laughs) Would another con of the lead acid be is based on the number that you would need at any given point. So there's virtually no operation that we would do that would have one battery in it, right? I mean, very seldom. A few ponderation kits. Something small. Very, very small, yeah. The minute that you introduce multiple batteries into this, do you not run the risk of that issue where we have you know, one battery that's off kilter in the number of voltage bringing the whole yeah, series sure. down. Is that yeah. is that a real or is that just something I'm no, that's a real. technically no, that's coming a real up deal. in my That's head. a real deal. I mean, no, it's a real uh, deal, yeah. especially in parallel circuits specifically. Yeah. yeah, series is not quite as bad, but it's still bad. Don't get me wrong, especially if a battery is just happens to be bad. You know, if you put one bad battery and you could have 16 batteries in the series and you put one in there, they're just all. I mean, because it's going to pull it down, you know. And when I say it's bad, like it got a lost cell or something like that, it just loses everything through that cell is what happens. But if in parallel, you know, like Sam says, it's even worse. You know, I mean, you take a an eleven volt battery and then you take a twelve six battery, which is you know rest or twelve six on a twelve volt battery. You know, well, as soon as you hook those together, 
I mean, you're at about 11.8. I mean, it automatically goes to – and that's below anything that you should be running. As a matter of fact, you're – most of them are inverters well alarmed out and said, I'm not even going to run, you know. So so looking at this from one perspective, would you say, based on that reality in the batteries, that growing a system with a lead-acid battery base could be challenging? Because if you're introducing batteries I bought a year ago yeah. with batteries I bought we, this year, yeah. it, I think we've talked about it yeah. before, and it's, just, it's better just it, to have it, those it, even it, separate. It's better to separate those away and not even, you know. But because, that is a real challenge of the system overall, right? right. Is, is yeah. that that mixing those batteries yeah. causes yeah. an issue. Yeah. All right, mixing batteries we, is never a good thing. So. All right. Let's talk about our next typical progression, which is AGM, which stands for I'm going to look at you guys. I think I know the glass. Absorbent glass. Okay. I knew it. I knew it. I promise I knew it. I still will look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about them. Now, if I had to guess, we would say they are our best upgrade, right? I mean, that's kind of the typical upgrade that we would do in batteries day in and day out. If your budget allows for a better battery. Let's talk about that for just a second. If you're looking at budget, if you had, I don't know anybody who's ever said, I've got extra money in my budget. But if you have extra money in your budget, do you spend it on better batteries? Do you spend it on better panels? Do you spend it on a higher voltage wind turbine? Me personally, if I was going to spend my money, if I had a little bit left in the budget, first place I would spend it would be in charge controller. I would buy the best charge controller I could, no matter what battery bank I was running. And then the number two, I would spend it in my batteries. Okay. Sam, that, you agree with I, that? Or you? I, I would say well, that's right in there. You know, charge controller, depending on the overall size of the system, I may jump in front of batteries and say inverter just due to something called idle consumption, which I'm sure if you haven't covered it in a podcast, we will at some point. And then batteries. Okay. So that AGM battery is a good upgrade. And if we said, and I'm just throwing this out, this may be a hard question to answer. If we said lead acid or lead acid battery, Estimate is a thousand bucks. What is an AGM comparable going to be? I mean, is that two thousand twenty you know, twenty two hundred? You're yeah. you're going to spend at least twice what you would yeah. have on that other yeah, battery. Twenty two hundred. I mean, and then let's talk about the pros. Then what do you get for that doubling of your budget? Usually, at least thirty to forty percent more lifespan out of a battery as a minimum. Again, that can be significantly more than what we're talking about yeah. there. Also. With the battery that we sell, I mean, as our AGM, you know, the way that it can be charged as far as it can do partial state of charge and not affect the battery, as the lead acid will just destroy the battery doing partial state of charge. All right. Now, you assume I know what that means. Partial state of charge (laughs) just means you didn't get it back to full. You got it back to 80% instead of getting it back to full. And then you ran it back down to 50%. And the next time you took it to 90%. And then you got it to 70% because you didn't, maybe the sun didn't come out. Maybe the wind didn't blow enough. You know, it didn't really have, have effects so long as you don't go below that 50. Well, what's that doing to my lead acid battery? Sulfation. Sulfation. Okay. I know we're on AGM and I'm pulling us back to, to lead acid. Are we not fixing that with a desulfate or with a you're restate? Help, or, is, or is there still damage you're, that's being It's uh, still it's sulfating. Still it's just, you know, the restate's trying to take care of that issue but every time the sulfation happens it's decreasing the life of the battery okay even though the restate is trying to give it that significantly life back, helping right yeah it's significantly help between 30 and 50 percent i mean you know is what it's doing giving an extra life up to 50 percent versus like if it was just 
desulfonate, I mean, or if it was sulfating every day, you know, you might only get three years out of your battery if you were doing that partial state of charge and the sulfation was going quickly. Whereas the, you know, you might get, you know, maybe five, six years out of it by running that desulf. But your AGMs are going to run comparatively. AGM, yeah, there's no sulfation how much, how much longer? there. So. Well, but I thought they, some, I thought there was, was some in that. sulfate, but due to the nature of how the right. acid is suspended in that glass mat, it slows that process down. And then again, like the North Stars with the carbon additive, you yep. don't get as rapid of a sulfation. They're designed for partial state of charge. Yep. So that's why they're so good in alternative energy applications. All right, let me ask you more pointed. If my lead acid batteries are going to last how many years? Give me a number. I mean, doing them properly, you're going to get between six and eight years out of them. That's and that's proper. And that's using a restate to right. make sure. Okay, so my AGMs are going to last? 10 to 12. Okay, so that is significant. So you're spending double and you're getting pretty much? Pretty much double. You know? Okay, and I think the other thing that I understand, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, that the AGMs are incredibly stable. I know we were talking with a North Star rep or something, and they were talking about one of the big things is that I mean, they would put these batteries in a trailer next to an they elementary they, school. Yeah, they, and they, it's they, like <laughs> Up in Springfield, by, in City Utilities has actually used them. They have a semi-trailer that has 1,440 12-volt yeah. batteries was, in it. that weird? Yeah. Uh, and it's parked within a block of a city school. Now, you wouldn't do that. I mean, you, well, you wouldn't do it with flooded ass, and you wouldn't do it with a lithium bank because of the potential that it, they have. I mean, there could be a dangerous situation that close to a school. And these are the batteries, just also to be specific, these are the batteries that they use in the cell phone towers. Yeah. That's what they were originally designed for was telecommunication industry for third world countries that had bad partial state of charge type deal. The grid would only come on maybe a couple hours. So they had to make a battery that had almost zero resistance in it. So it could just take all the energy that was being pumped at it and convert it into charge. And then all of a sudden the grid would go down for just, you know, maybe for a day, but that battery had enough energy to keep kind of going on. I mean, so that's how they were designed. These were, wasn't designed for our industry, but worked <laughs> extremely well for our industry. I mean, you know, it was just kind of, I made aspirin to, to control headaches, but I figured out it's a good blood thinner yeah, and, right. and, and could help for, with heart attacks, you know, so. Okay. But. Let's back up then and, and just say, let's go back through our pros some more. So it's got a better lifespan than the lead acid. Mm -hmm. No maintenance. Okay. There's no maintenance on it. They're sealed, right? I mean, sealed, you can't, yeah. you can't do incredibly stable, incredibly safe. So does that allow them to be, I mean, can they be out in your garage versus yeah. in a heated, cooled sort of area? Anytime you can keep a battery heated and cooled, be it any battery chemistry, you're going to be better off. I mean, if you can keep it in a controlled environment, you know, that if you can keep it between 50 and 80 degrees, you're going to get the best life out of your batteries, you know, no matter the chemistry of the battery. But now the lead acids, and they can actually freeze and really Yeah, yeah, the lead acid, world, yeah. Right? I mean, but you can, know, can these? These can if go. If you get them cold enough. Yeah, if you get them cold enough. But these have, on a charging parameter, they can go to, to negative 40 degrees. So, I mean, getting to negative 40 degrees is... <laughs> Your battery is yeah. the least of your yeah. problems. So. There's another really big pro that we haven't discussed on these yet, and that yeah. has to do with the discharge rate of the battery. Yeah. So one thing you look at with like a, a lead acid or you know any battery, the more rapidly you drain it, typically you get a reduction in overall amp hour capacity. If you look at the way that these North Stars are rated and you start looking at how quickly you can drain them, you'll see that they're very stable across a long range of amp hours. So, like, if you look at some batteries, they're going to be rated at the 100-hour rate or the 20-hour rate. 
most of your North Stars are rated at the 10-hour rate. So on a slower discharge, you actually can extend that life a little bit longer. But the really important thing there is that in rapid discharges, say a small battery bank with a short-term large load, maybe two batteries with a microwave on it, you can run it significantly longer on that large load as compared to a lead-acid battery bank with the same theoretical amp-hour capacity. Okay. <laughs> Green, right? <Wes? laughs> I'm going to act like I understood all. <laughs> I caught it back up with you at microwave. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, simple layman terms is that you can get more out of a, a smaller battery bank for a longer period of time. You can discharge it a little longer and get more energy out of that same battery versus the same size battery bank there again. Let's just say when he was talking about amp hours, let's just say we had two batteries and they were both 12-volt batteries and they both had 100 amp hour capacity and we were running a 12-volt system. So we have a 12-volt system with the capability of 200 amp hours. And we had that in our blue batteries, which is the North Star AGMs. And then we had it in the Trojan T1275s. I can get more runtime on, say, your microwave, your 1,000-watt microwave. And, Sam, you live it all the time. So how much longer could I run that microwave? It it breaks down to the actual watt hours that you're able to get out of the batteries based on what is essentially called the C10 or the C5 charge or discharge rate. The easiest way I could break it down for you would be like if you look at a battery bank like a savings account. You know, if you pull money out of the savings account too often or too rapidly, you're punished with fees and things of that nature. That's essentially what happens electrically with a battery if you drain it too quickly, right? So if you have a a really heavy load on a small battery bank, the electrons, the chemical process that happens in the battery can't happen rapidly enough, and so you get a lot of heat buildup. So to answer your question about a microwave, it depends on how large the battery bank is and how deeply you discharge it. So like in my case at home, theoretically, I could run the microwave a full, you know, four or five hours before I would hit the 50% depth of discharge mark because of how large my battery bank is. If I had the same equivalent amp hours in a traditional lead acid battery, it would be more like two and a half hours because of the rate at which I was discharging the batteries. Another way to look at it would be like if you're pouring water in a glass and then you start spilling it over the top rather than slowing down how much you're pouring you're not losing that water at that point okay all right so other pros that we've space they take up less space the blue battery actually is a front terminal design as well which is a big deal because on a front terminal design i don't have to have battery or wires laying on top you know and then having that chance that it comes in contact maybe that that positive comes in contact with that negative and it doesn't need to be there type of situation. And I don't have to reach my arm over and literally sticking my arm over a positive and a negative, (laughs) not saying that, but you know, you get water on your arm. Yeah. You're going (laughs) to, a lot of nice salty sweat. (laughs) You've got a chance. I mean, it's there, you know, if if you don't believe me, stick your tongue to a nine volt battery and then you'll find out that, you know, something wet or going across the positive or negative will cause, a little bit of a shock, you know, so. Orientation to us. If you've got a confined space like in an RV and, you know, you've got to put it under a bed or in this cabinet, a lead acid battery, you can't lay it down on its side. You're going to have a huge mess. But an AGM, you know, that's totally sealed or as we move into lithiums, you can put them in odd places. And I think the biggest one for around here is also the AGM has handles on it. Yeah, it's got got handles on that, you know, lead acid, you know, that is a con to both lead acid and AGM is weight. You know, that 210 battery weighs 152, 154 pounds. 
I mean, it's not even a one-man operation. Yeah, there's, you know, there's you a, literally there's pull your guts out. Those that, say, uh, you know, are, yeah, they're not the faint of heart yeah, and grabbing a hold not, and moving that thing around. Yeah, they're not easy to move by yourself. So you know, that's a con on both. All right, well, let's move into the cons on the AGM. What are our cons there? Con is we listed it as a pro, no maintenance. Con is no maintenance. So if you happen to cause that battery damage by overcharge or undercharge, there's no way to maintain. You know, overcharge is, is basically the deal. You know, 80% of battery banks fail because of overcharge. So that's the number one deal. So if you overcharge it, there's no way of replenishing anything. It doesn't, you know. You can't put acid back in it. You can't put acid back in it. So it doesn't it, lose acid. It, I was going to say, will it? It doesn't lose acid because what it? happens is, is it's charged. It creates oxygen at the positive, but it automatically releases at the negative, but it causes heat. And that heat will damage the battery. Basically, it just, it just shortens. Every time that you heat a battery up too high, it's kind of like heating metal. The first time you heat metal, not so much. You keep hitting metal and you keep bending it. Uh, well, I mean, grab a piece of wire and go do it. I mean, go bend it, but it's going to break. I mean, you know, heat will eventually wear it down to where it's going to actually not have the, the structure that it once did, and it's going to cause it to fail, you know, prematurely. Okay. So. All right. Other cons? That's basically I mean, the only cons. Really There's not, not really much cons to the AGM. I mean, there again, it's just, you know, being able not to maintain, you know, that because of you've got it too hot, you know, as we go through these batteries, you know, that's where the charge controllers really come into play. Flooded lead acid. Now that is backing up flooded lead acid. That is a pro you can use almost any type of charge controller on a, on a flooded lead acid because they are so forgiving. They can take super high voltage into them. Whereas AGM, you need to probably start watching what you're charging with, you know, or at least setting the parameters correctly on your controllers. You can still use all three controllers, we're probably starting to want to get into a PWM at least or an MPPT, but you can still use our controllers that we make here, like the Sky 440. You just got to make sure we're setting those parameters where we don't overcharge. We want to maybe stop that charge from getting up so high. So Okay. All right, so the cons are pretty few and far between with the yep. AGM. Yep. And again, though, I think we already talked about it, the, probably the largest one is just the price. Yep. But you're kind of yeah. paying, but you're kind of paying, getting, paying you're, what you're, you're getting. You're, you're, that's the thing with batteries. You're getting what you pay for. I mean, all right. So, are we going to move into yeah lithium? Would be lithium? your next. That'd yeah, be your next. Fine. Next all right. one. So let's talk about lithium. What are our pros there? Weight. Weight is number one. I mean, they're just a fourth of the weight of a you know the same amp hour battery. Now, why a fourth is that? Of weight. Just the chemistry. I mean, it's a total different chemistry. I'll let Sam talk about the chemistry of it. They're they're just totally different. Well, you know, well, it's what's heavier, a pound of lead or a pound of feathers. <laughs> the general reason that they're so much lighter has to do with the, the atomic elements, right? But lithium is significantly lighter than lead is. So the, so you don't have the lead in You the, don't have any lead in it. That's the reason they're so much lighter is because of the materials they're made out of. Just in general, you know, if you start looking at the ability of lithium iron to contain a certain amount of energy in a certain square meter of area versus lead, that's really where you're getting into this. It's, so weight and size both become a factor. But now if you seen one, it looks just basically like any other battery, right? Some of I them mean, do. Some of them, some of them got a little bit different look. But say like the Trillium from mm-hmm. Trojan, yeah, they look, I mean, really close to Matter of fact, they look very similar to a car battery. Yeah, uh, I'd say the, the ones that I've yeah. seen look like 
lead acid batteries. Yeah, they just look, I mean, they've got the same look. I mean, you know, they've got a top, they don't have a post. Most of your lithium batteries are not going to actually have like battery posts. They're going to be, a, you know, where you're going to have to use a bolt to screw in, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So weight is a big one. So what else do we have? In Footprint kind of falls in line with that, right? Yep. So whenever we're looking at the weight of a battery like that Trillium, you know, you're looking at a battery that's around 30 pounds and it has 92 amp hours of usable capacity. Whenever you break that down and you start looking at an equivalent usable capacity, that 30-pound battery is about like a 152-pound North Star 210. Granted, the North Star's got a little bit more at 50% DOD, but it's very similar. Not splitting hairs. Yeah. All right, so that battery size-wise is the the size of a car battery. Right. And it's the equivalent of a North Star? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And next thing that I would say that is a big pro for them is there depth of discharge rate you can do for them? I mean, mm-hmm. lead acid and AGM, 50% DOD, anything over that. And, and we would really prefer you to stay a little bit above that. I mean, just, you know, your 50% DOD, we'd rather you just discharge it about 40%. You're going to get longer lifespan out of that battery. The higher that number you can go, I mean, if you can only discharge it down 30% a day, you're going to get that much more life out of that battery. But a lithium, it will gain over years i mean you will gain some years but the one thing it can do is it can go to 80 percent and not even really affect the battery well I mean, but isn't that i mean if it. it doesn't have lead plates in it then there's no sulfation right it can't happen right Am right I yeah either? but it still can it's, it's a not, chemical not, breakdown not, yeah it's still a chemical breakdown but it's not sulfation it's yeah. a total different deal but you know so so like that trillium battery it's five thousand cycles at 80 percent dod mm-hmm. it's 8,000 cycles. It's 4, I think it's 8,000 at 50%. I can go grab a data sheet if I need to. Let's just say I'm not going to be exactly right on this one. Let's just say at 50% DOD, it was 4,000 cycles. All right. And DOD, you keep saying DOD. Depth of discharge. Okay. Depth of discharge. Depth of discharge. So DOD, how far did I deplete the battery? Okay. 50%. And so let's just say it was 4,000 cycles at 80%. Mm-hmm. So I was depleting that battery down. So there's only 20% left of that battery storage at when I got done right. using it for the day. Well, if I go to 50%, that number is going to go to 8,000 cycles. Might as well just say a cycle means a day. You know, in our case, that's basically what we're saying. So 8,000 cycles. So 8,000 days worth of battery that you can do that. I mean, running it that way. Without, that, before, long, it's, before, uh, it's before it's dead. dead. You know? okay. So you're talking between 20 and 25 years. I mean, so that's the one thing. That's a very big pro because now i set my system and i don't have to worry about hey you know six years from now you know i'm going to be six years older and i've got to move 24 of these 152 pound batteries (laughs) you know and that's the i mean that's just a con i mean that's one of the cons over there again was the weight you know or 25 years from now i get to move 12 of these 30 pound batteries well who cares i mean they're (laughs) 30 they're 30 pound batteries you know now, we talked about this with AGM to lead acid price. What are we looking at price you're usually, comparatively? For equivalent capacity, you're usually 40 to 60% above what you'd be looking at for an AGM. Right, right. But your, but Tri- your the life trillium, on these is... Yeah. Just to give some numbers, the Trillium battery is a 92-amp-hour battery. There again, it's going to more act like the 210, and it's about eight, $900, $949, $899, $949, somewhere in that price range, versus that 5 29. So there again, it's about 40 to 60% more. Okay. But your lifespan on it is. Well, my lifespan is. At least double. At least double of an AGM. You know, that's a big pro. You know, there again, I just. 
because if I know that I'm going to have to re, you know, I've got maybe 20 years now to save for my battery bank again, you know, and it, just look how far we've came in battery technology in the last, you know, 10 years. You know, I mean, since really solar has really come hard into the market, you know, a lot of the, what people are doing on the batteries is to do with renewable energy now. I mean, the big pushes, especially in the bigger batteries, you know, and we've came this far in just 10 years, you know, so the possibilities in 20 years will be you'll buy one more set of batteries and you'll never touch them again. I mean, it'll be something that lasts the rest of its life and the cost will be relatively close to the same at that point. All right, other pros on them? Pros really is the weight, the depth of discharge that can be done, and then this, is the life cycles of them. I mean, the life cycles is huge for me. All right, and wasn't there something I remember about you couldn't overcharge them? Oh, yeah, is that, yeah, that's, am, okay. yeah. So most lithium batteries, well, matter of fact, all the lithium batteries that we are dealing with right now have a brain board in them. They have a motherboard in them that will not allow you to overcharge nor undercharge them. It will just literally shut itself off. It'll say, nope, I'm done. I'm going to shut off now. You tried to overcharge me, and I'm not going to take that. I know we're talking about lithium ion versus lithium iron. I mean, wasn't the example we talked about is is like anything you've got, you know, like your cell phone. Yeah. It's either on or it's off. Right. And there's not a, yeah. it's not the old, you know, Rayovac Boy Scout flashlight that it's starting to get dimmer and no. it's starting to get and dimmer. That's, that's what lithium, <laughs> lithium is. I mean, lithium is going to be going, you could be going along and running the microwave, running everything in the house. And instead of things just kind of, <laughs> I mean, it's just, doop. It's kind of like the inverter. I mean, it's going to say, nope, I'm no longer giving any power. I mean, it's just going to black out on you. And a lot of people know this now, especially cell phones, but anybody that runs cordless power tools that uses lithium batteries. Most of your batteries now are going to be lithium batteries, and you're just running your drill, and it was just driving in things like just like it was supposed to, and in the next second, it just wasn't doing anything. You know, versus the old NICAD battery where it, <laughs> you gave it, you know, 30 seconds, you hit it again, you know, trying to just need that little, you know, just trying to tighten that last last two turns. But, you know, whereas lithium, I mean, it, when it's off, it's off. It is, it's done. So And it's doing that to protect itself. Yeah, it's just yep. protecting itself. It's just shutting itself down from that. Okay. So that kind of leads us into a con of it, which is, it just shut itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are some so, other cons? Well, or? one of the cons is is if you're a, in a lithium bank, and the Trillium is the only one that I know right now doing this. I think more will come on the market. And let's just say you do over-discharge it. Well, as of now, except the Trillium, you have to give it a 12-volt jump. You have to give that battery a little bit of a wake-up oh, jump. Oh, that's right. And mm-hmm. so you've got to have either a little starter battery over here somewhere but you have to literally go wake it up so to speak and say okay and then as soon as it wakes up it's ready to take energy again but until that point you could have i mean literally ten thousand watts of solar coming into it and it's just going to sit there and say i'm not awake okay so let me rewind on that if we're in a normal cycle where the sun comes up and it charges up to 90 percent and then it for whatever reason it doesn't finish that and we drain it back down that's okay you know we we get to 60 percent, and the sun comes back out behind the cloud and we go back all day long that's fine but if in the other batteries if they sun's not out and it discharges and and kills itself at 50 percent right you're saying on a lot of the other batteries when the sun comes back out just not it's not going to kick back out unless something comes along to wake it up 
Yeah, on, on the lithium, that is correct. Except for... And the trillium won't until you... But the trillium has got a really a cool feature. It's got a little button on the top, and you can just go punch the button, and it automatically wakes it up. Okay. So that, that's a really cool feature they've put in. Like I said, one of the only ones I know on the market right now that are doing that is Trojan. And it, because, just for that simple instance, because as you're working in the solar industry, and that's why they came out really with their lithium was for the solar industry. They knew that, you know, somebody walking by, I mean, that's just a hassle to get out of, you know, a set of jumper cables basically and go over and, yeah. you know. And then they screw up and they wind up, you know, doing, something, doing reverse yeah, polarity on the thing or something of that nature. And they really screw things up, you know. So just by hit, being able to hit that simple little button, I mean, it really, really made it a, a lot more easy. All right. Any other cons on that? Well, leading in with that on the BMS and stuff, the biggest con to right, battery that can... Yep. BMS. Battery management system, which is what okay. he's been talking about the whole time. Okay. The battery management system, the biggest con with a battery that can turn itself off like that is generally going to occur to customers that are new to alternative energy. You're not used to working with the equipment and monitoring your system. Or if you've got a lot of experience with lead-acid batteries, but you've not learned about the constant voltage parameters that are something you have to deal with with a lithium-iron battery... Right. You can't use battery voltage to indicate how full the battery is. You have to have a meter that will measure amp hours in and out. The trimetric meter is going to be the the best option for that, although there's some others available as well. But if that event were to occur at a point when you're not monitoring the system and you don't know what's happened, say you've had several cloudy days, it's not been windy, you've not gotten the batteries charged very much, and the battery is shut off at 2 in the morning. Okay, the battery's turned itself off. If you get open circuit voltage, wind or solar, into your charge controller, it's liable to destroy that controller catastrophically the moment the sun comes out or the wind blows. Now suddenly you not only don't have power in your batteries, you also cannot recharge them from any alternative source because you've lost your controller. So the punishment for making a mistake with a lithium battery can be a lot more rapid and costly whereas if you're new to working with the equipment and you overdischarge a lead acid battery bank, you're kicking yourself, it's not going to last as long, but you've not catastrophically damaged anything today. Right. And that, that's the biggest con I can see with that. Another small one has to do with initial surge capacity for running things. Again, you know, water pumps, stuff like that. If you look at a lead acid battery, even a true deep cycle battery will usually allow you to pull for short durations, you know, two or three times its amp hour capacity. Lithiums, it's usually about a hard limit of about 200%. So, if you have a 100 amp hour battery, you're not going to pull more than a 200 or 250 for a half a second. If you have a starting surge for a vacuum, skill saw, table saw, you may theoretically have the amp hour capacity to run it, but you can't cover the starting surge. Lead acid batteries are more forgiving in that application. Yep. Okay, what we got? I think that covers it. All right. And this is going to be an extra long episode. We probably should have broken into two, but <laughs> let's do wrap up with just a quick discussion on the nickel. The salt water, I mean, just what else do we see out there? That's the other two the major ones. I, you know, a lot I, of them are an alkaline-based battery as yeah. opposed to an acid-based battery. The nickel-iron batteries specifically are done that way. Actually, Thomas Edison was a big proponent of those batteries, and they're one of the, the chemistries that he actually came up with a long time ago. Generally, they carry a real long service life, but a lot of your batteries that are not acid-based have, again, issues with rapid 
discharge cycles. They'll usually take a charge really quickly, but oftentimes you can't get all that electricity back out real easily. So why would I want to use one of these other ones? Is there an application for them or is it just preference? Is it Preferences, just, I think. Preference. Uh, some people consider some of these batteries to be safer because you don't have acid, you've got alkalines, but you know right. it still can cause chemical burns. Lifespan can be very good with some of these batteries if maintained properly. But it's usually not going to be anything drastically different than even a lithium battery, and the cost would be very similar. Okay, I was going to say the cost on that. Cost very similar. And then the actual charging parameters, you have to be a little bit more, more cautious of. Cautious of. I mean, you really got to be. Especially because they don't have waters. a brain. Yeah, you don't have a brain in there like the lithiums telling it, I'm mm-hmm. not, it's not going to let you destroy me. You know. And Sam did talk about it, the con of the, you know, but that is kind of a pro too, because if it does, I mean, at least there again, I would rather destroy a $400 controller as I would a $4,000 battery. I mean, yep. you know, so it is a con, but it is a, and a pro and it's kind of a, there's a reason give and take type of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd rather the pads go out on my brakes as I would just for it to have a catastrophic failure and, you know, destroy right. my rotors and everything else. I would, you know, so there's certain things mm-hmm. that you're going to, you're going to have to trade off basically. I mean, there's going to be trade offs in every battery chemistry out there, you know, one of the big cons about the nickel iron batteries or the saltwater battery is the way that you have to handle them. I mean, you cannot, I mean, they tell you you can't lean them past a 30-degree angle. I mean, if you've ever carried anything, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty hard to do. I mean, and these are not light batteries. These are not like carrying around a lithium battery where I could, yeah, I can just hold that out in front of me and, you know, carry it. You know, this is back to that heavy battery. You know, most people using a, a two-wheeler, you know, to, to move them to where they're trying to get to, you know, well, you can't use a two-wheeler. I mean, you're going to have to use something. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and a lot of your larger saltwater batteries are so large, they have to be moved by heavy equipment. You you can't yeah. physically move them as a, yeah. a group of people, even so, they're just too large and heavy and bulky. That's a big con to them. But they're out there. There again, there's some people using them. You know, most people, it is a safety issue. Mm-hmm. That's their biggest deal. They're thinking that they're safer because they don't have that acid in them. They don't have that off-gassing that the lead acid does. So and the cost, they're more of an AGM, but kind of between an AGM and a and a lithium. Mm-hmm. So for me, they're just not in the realm yet. I'm going to use the AGM versus them every time. So, All right. Is there anything we need to address as we kind of wrap this version of batteries up? Nope. I think we kind of covered the batteries. Okay. Sam, thanks for coming in, taking time away from the sales and help desk. And David, as always, you're just stuck with me regardless <laughs> of what goes on. But thank you all for downloading the episode today, and we'll bring you some more episodes as soon as possible. Thanks a lot. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, mwands.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Check out our store at mwands.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos. And most importantly, it keeps Lucy's doggy chicken treats coming. Thanks again.